With that in mind, let me just stop and address the tragedy of last Thursday evening uh, at 8.45 in Dallas, Texas. It was such a conflict of emotions for me. Uh, I was sitting on the right on the front row, basically, of the Texas Rangers, not on the Rangers side, but on the twin side. I had just bought me a new Texas Rangers shirt, hat, and even flip-flops. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. My son got us these great seats at no cost. We had drive up uh, a valet service. I'm telling you, drive right up to the stadium. Thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, and it was just great. And at 8.45, about at 9 o'clock, my friend starts texting me what was going on in downtown. And so on one hand, I'm just enjoying this moment. And then all of a sudden, I realize tragedy has struck Dallas, Texas, and, and, and really the nation, and, and, and it just is a tragic symbol of the, of the national trouble we have in our world today when it comes to racism and issues that, that we, we would have hoped had have been solved and healed by now, and it just breaks my heart. How many of your hearts are broken? My heart's broken. Heart's broken not only for these five families and these other families who have loved ones that were wounded, but my heart's broken for America and for our nation. And we need a healing in our world. We need a healing in our life. It's, it's not an issue uh, of what we think. It's what God thinks. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves us all and we, lo- we should love one another and and you know what? It's about love, loving people and loving God. And so let's pray for, for not just these families, but let's just pray for America today as we do our part here in Beaumont, Texas to cover the trouble and the trauma of the, the broken hearts of, of, of people from Dallas and Texas and around the world. Lord, we just come today. And Lord, there's trouble in our land. There's trauma, Lord. We just pray that you would show up in the middle of it, that you would somehow be glorified and you, you, Lord God, would be in charge. And Lord, I'm just reminded of the dream I had last week where, where you just kept telling us Jesus is in charge. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to, now to be in charge as you have declared to us that you are of our nation. And we humble ourselves and pray. We seek your face and we turn from our wicked ways. We'll know you'll hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. I do pray for these families who lost their their loved ones, Lord. Some lost husbands, granddaddies, friends, family. Lord, young and older together, we just pray for these families that you would heal their broken hearts. You would heal the broken heart of Dallas, Texas, and you would help the police chief and others, Lord, be able to rally together in a time of unity and prayer. I thank You for the leaders, the spiritual leaders of that community in that city. I pray, Lord, they would come together in prayer as I saw today. Lord God, just continue to recover, recoup, and, and, and regain traction spiritually. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Whew, man. How many of you believe that we're living in the last days? I really do believe that. Maybe not as much as I should, but we're closer, as I've said before, absolutely to the return of Jesus Christ than ever before. We look in our land, and you know what? Uh, someone texted me a scripture 
this last few days, and it said, uh, you know, the, the sins of the world uh, abound, but grace, grace does much more abound. And so, in the middle of sin and trouble, God's grace and mercy is here to help us in time of need. And everybody said, Amen. Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture, 2 Kings 7 and 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Kings 7 and 2 Chronicles 20. We want to continue talking about defining moments. All of us have had defining moments. Uh, and we'll talk about what that is in a moment. Uh, uh, and the defining moments in our life can either be a milestone or a tombstone. What is a defining moment? We've learned this is Pastor Sam's definition. It's a critical po- uh, point and moment in our history that defines who we are based upon how we react or respond. You see, Dallas, Texas had a defining moment. You know, I remember as a first grader when John F. Kennedy was shot and killed just about a thousand yards from where this trouble happened last Thursday evening. And it was a defining moment in our nation. And once again, that uh, you know, Dallas and Texas and really the world is in the middle of how are we going to react or how are we going to respond? I had pastors texting me and asking me that very question about the trouble and the trauma and the tragedy the last few days and the last week or so uh, uh, around our world. And, and, and my, my comment was, you know what? We just need Jesus in our life. We need Jesus to show up in the middle of this defining moment. And, and when you melt it down even to our church, our church is in a defining moment. We're in a pressure point. Listen carefully to me. This is not just a sermon. This is a, this is reality. Uh, I've been here. How long is this church? We're about to have our 20 year anniversary. Somebody say, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. I said, say, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> We've made it, the last of August will be 20 years. I've been here for my, near all of those. Uh, can you imagine Laura Beth, 19 years younger than she is uh, today? I mean, just it's just so funny. Somebody pulled up a picture of us on the first day we moved into town, uh, and we were just kids, me included. Uh, and so we've been here... 20 years in our church will be 20 years old and it really is a defining moment it's a pressure point it's a day of celebration but listen the pressure point is we can't afford to stay where we are we static does not work for where we are right now uh, it doesn't work financially it's not working and uh, you know we all love Jesus and love one another but we're at a pressure point where we must move forward uh, and we must respond rightly in the middle of this pressure point and so that's what we've been talking about that's what let us pray was all about everybody say let us pray we're going to see more instances and examples of prayer. And so a few weeks ago, we were talking about praying and asking God. That's what the first century church did when they came under pressure in Acts chapter 4. They began to pray and they began to seek God and the Holy Spirit began to move. The place where they were gathered was shaken and they are all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. We need one of those kind of prayer meetings where we get filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Could I get a better amen right there? Some of you are afraid of that. Man, listen, don't be afraid of what will bless you. God wants to bless you. Well, I don't know about all that. Well, you better get to know all about that. Because the longer we stay on planet earth, the more we need the Holy Ghost in our life. He's our comforter. 
the disciples were nervous about Jesus leaving. He said, hey, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you always. Whew, somebody give, give me a better amen right there. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. And they responded rightly. Now, in 2 Kings 7, it's a great illustration. We looked at it uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and it's it's the story of, let me just get over there, uh, the story where the Samaria was surrounded uh, by Syria, and it was bad. Everybody say it was bad. Say, how bad was it? It was so bad that, that parents, women, were bartering together on whose child they were going to boil and eat first. That's bad. Everybody say, that's bad. It was really bad. Somebody say, how bad was it? It was so bad that, that a little dung uh, from a dove was selling for a whole lot of money. Everybody say, that's really bad. I mean, it was bad. They were in the middle of, the, of a defining moment and, and Elisha the prophet shows up and he prophesies and he says, you know, this time tomorrow, all this, this bad, this trouble, this trauma that you're experiencing, it's not going to be here tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow, all the prices of things go back to their normal price. This is, there's no more inflated prices. Tomorrow, a loaf of bread basically will sell whatever a loaf of bread sold for then. And, and one of the officers of the king of Samaria say, he said this, you know what? If God opened heaven up right now and started pouring out from heaven, that couldn't take place here. The prophet Elijah said, you know what? <clears throat> You're going to see it, but you'll not taste of it. And in the meantime, when all this is going out, there's four lepers outside of the city because they can't go in because they're lepers. And they can't, they can't, they're just there, they're lepers. And they began to discuss with one another. They began to say, you know what? If we go back in there, we die. If we sit here, we die. We're lepers. We're, we've got the death sentence on ourselves. Uh, and then they, they looked at one another. They kind of have a, had a common uh, voice with one another. They said, well, you know, if we just sit here, we're going to die. Let me just say to you, in the middle of your defining moment, if you just sit where you are, you'll die. You see, the officer was a reactionary. He reacted in disbelief and lack of faith. But these little these lepers... Even on the base level, they responded rightly. They said, we can't just sit here because if we sit here, we'll die. Let me just tell you, if you just sit there, you're going to die. And they got up. They said, you know what? Let, let's go to the enemy's camp. <clears throat> Pardon me. If they kill us, we just die. If we go back into the city, we're going to die. If we just sit here, we'll, we'll die. Maybe they'll spare us. Who knows? And they, they had a little vote <clears throat> among themselves. And they got up and they headed out into the enemy's camp. And lo and behold. Everybody say, and lo and behold. Lo and behold, the Lord had confounded the enemy so much so that they fled their camps. They left their goods. They left their treasures. They left their food. They left everything. And the lepers were just, you know, they were just going, woohoo. They were going and hiding and hoarding, hiding and hoarding. And then about the third time they came to themselves and they realized because they're lepers and they understand consequences. You see, in, in Bible days, if you had leprosy, it was a sign of the judgment of God in their minds. And in many cases, it was. They understood consequences. And they said, what we're doing is not good. This is going to cost us more than what it's worth. Whoop, hello. How many of you know sometimes our actions cost us more than it's worth? 
And they said, we need to go back and tell. And so they went back to the city and they told and the, the people could not believe it. They disbelieved. And they said, well, send ambassadors. They sent the last few horses and, and, uh, and some guys out. And it came back, said, it's just like they said. And all the city ran out into the uh, enemy's camp and began to uh, uh, haul away the, the blessing and, and, the, and the benefit of this prophetic supernatural breakthrough in their life. And they're all moving out. And the officer, the reactionary, he was trampled in the crowd and he died. You see, for him, his defining moment was a tombstone. But for these four lepers and for the rest of the city, uh, led by these four lepers, it's an amazing who God will use if they'll just yield to it. It became a milestone. And today, whatever, wherever you may be, you may be in the middle of a defining moment. Listen, the way we react and respond determines whether it's our tombstone or our milestone. I'm here to tell you, I believe Church on the Rock North on their 20 year anniversary, it's going to be a milestone. It's not going to be a tombstone. We're going to press forward. We're going to break through. I'm, hey, I'm not going to be like a doubting uh, officer who said, hey, no way it can happen. It hadn't happened in 20 years. I'm just telling you, I believe the next 20 years of our church history is going to be some of the greatest, glorious, most effective ministry that we've ever seen. Somebody, somebody say amen. Amen. I got about three of you believe that, so we'll just keep working on the rest of you. Amen. So we've been learning how to respond rightly from this story. And here's what we learned. The first one is this. We learned a couple of weeks ago that we've got to learn to respond in the middle of our defining moment, in the middle of a pressure point. We've got to learn to respond with a strong confession of faith. Now, if you miss that message, you need to go back and get online and listen to that. Look at your neighbors. If you missed it, you better go listen to it. I'm just honest with you. It was a breakthrough moment in people's life. And we learned this. Our confession determines our conclusion. Everybody say that. Our confession determines our conclusion. I got three of you. I'm having a hard time with you this morning. My wife is not here to amen me. Y'all going to have to help. Come on, Amanda. I need your help this morning. Teresa, I need you too. Sammy, I need y'all. You got family. You got support there. We need you. Now, I'm telling you, listen. Your confession determines your conclusion. And whatever you confess, you see the officer confessed it ain't no way it can happen if God, and he, he pointed his negative confession right at God. If God were to open the doors of heaven and, and, and pour it out, it could not happen. Let me tell you something. Some of you are dangerously close to that. And if you want to, your pressure point, your defining moment to be a milestone rather than a tombstone, you better be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Are you with me? And we can turn the tide based upon the confession of faith in our life. Are you with me? And then we learn number two, we learn to respond rightly in the middle of our defining moment. We need to respond with a strong connection of unity. We need one another. And these four lepers, they were lepers. They had a com community together. One of them might have been a wealthy citizen. One of them might have been a poor. They were all common. Hey, it didn't matter what their background was. How many of you know leprosy showed no social, uh, you know, barriers? It'll, it touch anybody. So these four lepers, they're just out there together. They got their own little church service.
service going on. They don't have any, you know, because they're lepers, you see. And they didn't, they, they came together. They weren't fighting and fussing with one another. They weren't blaming each other for their leprosy. It was you, you brought it into the house. You did none of that going on. They came together and how elemental it was. They came together in unity and they looked at one another. We cannot stay here. If we sit here, we die. Listen, it's time for somebody in your family and this church to get up and look at one another and say, we just can't sit here twiddling our thumbs and thinking God's going to bless us. Somehow it's just going to rain down upon us. Hey, God will supernaturally work in your behalf, but you can't sit there and wait for it to happen. Are you with me? And they came together. It's time we come together. Well, come together. Hey, and not the Beatles. I'm talking about coming together in prayer. Coming together in the family of faith. I, hey, I've been texting some of you and telling you, listen, just the fact that you show up on Sunday morning is huge to God. He wants us to show up so he can show up in our midst and we can connect together. Hey, we've got a new vision. We've got a new direction in our life. And here it is. We're called together. That's the purpose of God for our church. As, as a church member, listen, the first call we have is to come together and gather together. That's our, that's what he wants. They gathered together. We're, everybody say we're called to gather. And then the next one, we're called to do what? Grow spiritually. We're going to gather together and grow spiritually. We gathered around the tables today. We had, th- we had 30 something people in Sunday circles. We're looking for 40 next week. We need you to be here. Sunday circles. Well, I don't know. 930. No. There's donuts. I wish Ty was here. He would dance to, he loves Sunday circles. In fact, this morning, I got a video from Brent. Brent said, what he was putting on his shirt, he looked a little. What's today? He said, it's Sunday Circles Day. He was doing that. And Brent said, why do you like Sunday Circles? There's donuts. There's donuts. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. You'll never get to know anybody staring at the back of their head. Relationships are built Community is, we're called to gather, we're called to grow. And today, we grew together around the table. We ate donuts, we fellowship, we drank coffee, and we prayed for one another, we prayed for you. And that happens next Sunday at, at 9.30. There's donuts, there's donuts, but there's the family of faith. Hey, read Acts 1, 2, and 3, and you'll find out that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and prayer and fellowship, and, and they ate together and had, and, and had great joy and gladness and singleness of heart. Could I just tell you, I said, could I tell you something today? I've got lifelong friends that we, we today are, we've raised our kids beside one another. Now our kids are raising kids. We got friends and that we developed back years ago in church before we had even any real sense about ourselves. And we have lifelong friends that we built in church. We do life together. We do ministry together. We change the world together. We're better together. Somebody say we're better together. We're called to give. We're called to grow. Pardon me, we're called to gather, we're called to grow, we're called to give. We give of our life, we give of our resources, and we need each other. And Many hands make a light load. And then the last one is, and that's the reason we all come together and grow together and give together, is because we're called to go. We're called to go out into all the world and make a difference.
And so, hey, we need to come together in unity. And number three, and here's where we're going to jump in for just the next few moments. If we're going to get through these defining moments, we've got to respond with a strong consensus of action. Somebody say action. These four lepers, they realize we just can't sit here till we die. Tell, tell somebody, look at somebody and say, we can't sit here till we die. We can't sit here till we die. You just can't sit here. If things are going south in your life, you just can't sit there till you die. If you're in the middle of a defining moment, you just can't sit there until you die. You gotta get up and, and begin to put feet to your faith. You gotta do something. Some of you, this morning, the reason you're here is because you looked at yourself, I can't sit home. I can't sit home. If I just sit home, I'm gonna die. If we don't get plugged into the family of faith, hey, listen. In fact, what, what did Hebrews say? He said, uh, 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 forsake not the assembling together as the manner of some is. So much more as you see that day approaching. And I'm telling you today, that day is approaching. And so we've got to begin to take some action. You know, progress requires a plan. The reason a lot of people don't progress is because they have no plan. John Maxwell said this years ago, I've quoted him a gazillion times. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Say it with me. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And if you're sitting there in the middle of your defining moment and you, and you don't have a plan, you need to get a plan. You need God's plan in your life. These, these four lepers, they got a plan. They, however simple it may seem to you, listen, the, the, the fact that they just came together and did something. Listen, I'm a firm believer if you got a right heart and you're trying to do what's right and you're trying to do what's good, that if you'll just get up and do something, God will do something for you. Amen. And they, they just said, well, let's just get up. Let's get going. Let's go out here into the enemies and, and hey, and, and just see what happens. We just can't sit here. And God did something supernatural because they got up and took action. They got a plan together. Now with that in mind, go to second Chronicles 20. I mentioned this before. And even this morning, I mentioned it again. Second Chronicles 20 is the story of Jehoshaphat. Now, Here's the story. I'm going to lay it out for you. Somebody say, lay it out for me, pastor. Oh, hey, hey, I missed that. I, I missed that. They need this. This is, this is a pretty good de- decision thought here. Our outlook, how we look at our circumstances determines our actions and our actions determine our outcome. Your outlook determines your outcome. And these, these four lepers, they, hey, they didn't let, they didn't have an outlook of defeat. Even though they were defeated. I mean, it was over for them. And because they didn't let their, their circumstances or their pressure point define them, they defined their pressure point and they got up and took action and their action determined their outcome. If they'd have sat there, they would have become, it would have become a tombstone for them rather than a milestone. So with that in mind, let's look at Second Chronicles 20. Thank you, Ike. Uh, at Jehoshaphat, they were surrounded as well. The enemies had come up against them and it was an overwhelming enemy. And we see in verse three, and Jehoshaphat feared. Now he's the leader. He feared, but he didn't let his fear define him. He didn't react to the fear of his moment. The scripture says, don't be afraid of sudden fear. You see, sometimes 
sometimes fear comes upon us and we can't react uh, to it. We've got to respond to it. And he responded rightly in the middle of his pressure point. And here's what he said. And it, it says, he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together. They came together. Look at there. To ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, and he starts praying. Now, let me just for the sake of time, tell you what he prayed. He prayed a huge prayer of faith. He didn't whine and moan and complain. He called God to to who he was. He knew God and he knew his capacity. And he began to tap into the character and the nature of God. And he prayed a huge prayer of faith. But he was very honest. Listen, a lot of people think faith uh, requires you to be dishonest with yourself. Like, you know, like you're Superman or something. No, faith is absolute dependence upon God and trust in him to take care of you. And you get down. Oh gosh, down to the close to the oh, let's see, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Speaking of the enemies, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And when he prayed that prayer, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel and he began to prophesy a plan. God gave them a plan in the middle of this defining moment. And it was a very specific plan. It told them, get out and go up against them. Uh, oh, and gosh, I'll, I'll come back to some of this. Verse 17, he said, you'll not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear, be dismayed. Tomorrow I'll go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Somebody say, the Lord is with you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, the Lord is with you. You see, what you need to understand about your defining moment, what we need to understand about Church on the Rock North, what you need to understand about your defining moment, the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat knew that. And even in the middle of this, 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 this defining moment, this opportunity to fear, he leaned heavily in on faith. And as the leader, he led this church uh, to a place. He led this people to a place of prophetic anointing where God began to speak a plan in their life. And that plan began to uh, uh, come to fruition. They got excited about it. Jehoshaphat led them in a great praise and worship session. And they went out the next day, according to the word of the Lord, towards the enemy. And they began to praise the Lord. Verse 21. This is where we were a few moments ago. And when they had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now let me just stop and say something to you. In this plan that we'll define in just a few moments, God never said, now I want you to praise me. That should, that's just a response of faith in our life. That's what we did a few moments ago. Remember, I said, I don't know what you're going through, but let me just tell you, one way to get a breakthrough is just begin to trust God and praise Him and worship Him. And they began to do this, and they began to do it with great... In fact, one one part of the verse says, they did it loud and high. Man, they got serious about their praise. In fact, where is it? Uh, um, oh, verse 19. They stood to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Everybody say loud and high. Let, let me just, um, can, can I pick on you a little bit? Most of you, it's low and weak. 
Oh, praise the Lord. That's low and weak. If you want a real breakthrough, you've got to get loud and high. Oh, God, you don't have to get loud. Well, you just try low and weak. <laughs> just, just keep what you're doing and see what you get. <laughs> but if you get serious about breakthrough, and you get loud and high and you come together, we're not going to sit here till we die. We're not going to sit here in this, in this circumstance. We're not going to sit here without a plan. We're not going to sit here and moan and complain and kill ourselves with our negative confession. But we're going to give Him some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Woo, Jim. You see what happens when you start doing that. And it says this. Now, when they began, verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise. Now, you need to mark this down. You need to remember this one. If you forget everything else I said, don't forget this. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come out against Judah, and they were defeated. In fact, the Bible says there, they got so confused, the enemies did, they started killing one another. Whoo, I love that. In fact, they didn't have to raise a sword. They didn't have to raise, uh, uh, you know, a spear. They just stood there and watched God go to work in their behalf as they just sat and walked through the plan. Everybody say, you got to have a plan. Now, that's the story. And I want to give you three simple thoughts today about gaining God's plan for progress in the midst of a pressure point. Three simple points. Gaining God's pro- plan for progress In the middle of a pressure point, are you with me? Here it is. Number one, get focused. You gotta get focused. Now, here's what, here's what Jehoshaphat told the Lord. He said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You see, most people, when you're in the middle of a pressure point, all you can see is the pressure of the moment. All you look at is your problem. Jehoshaphat knew we can't be looking out there at the enemies who are who who have bad uh, uh, intent towards us. We got to get our eyes on our on on God. In fact, it says in verse three, Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. He began to focus his life. Let me tell you something. Pressure has a tendency to cause us to lose focus. Now, follow me for a moment. Pressure has a tendency to cause us to lose focus. <clears throat> Without getting too deep in it, uh, 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 December 2010, I was diagnosed as a diabetic. And when I began to get uh, uh, what happens with your eyes, if you're diabetic, your eyes get pressure on them and it changes your vision. Did you know that? I didn't know that. My eyes stepped getting worse and worse. What was happening was was the pressure was building in my eyes. And when I when I when I found out I was a diabetic and, and I started changing my lifestyle and taking medication, the pressure began to change. And one morning, my eyes just completely changed. You see, I can see up close, but I can't see far away. Uh, is that nearsighted? Yeah, I'm nearsighted. One morning, I woke up about two weeks after being med- you know, addressing this, and I was farsighted. Absolutely flip-flop. Freaked me out. I could, I could count the hairs on the fly at a hundred yards. I was just going, what in the world? I couldn't see up close. I, I, first I thought God had healed me. And then I realized I can't see a thing up close. I, what's the deal? What was going on was the pressure was changing and pressure changes your focus and your vision. And you need to understand that in the middle of a pressure point, you got to make sure you get focused in life. You can't focus on your problem. You got to focus on the solution of your problem and focus on the one who can give you a plan to get out of your problem. Let me tell you today, God is not confused about what's going on in your life. He's got great clarity about what you need. 
He's got great ability about what you need. He's not set up. Hey, he's not texting to the angels, OMG, what are we going to do? And Jehoshaphat knew as a, as a people. And man, this, this shows they came together just like we talked about in a, in a consensus and a con- strong connection of unity. Everybody came together to seek the Lord and they began to cry out to God. And I think we need some more of that. In fact, I had this thought that August, we, we get through July, let, let you poor folks get get summer out of your system uh, and we get to back to Ju- I think around August maybe we just need some good old prayer and fasting time maybe we need to prep ourselves for our 20 year anniversary with some prayer and fasting it's not prayer and maybe fasting Jesus says when you pray when you fast and when you give I think it's time we get to the place where we come together and pray and fast that's what they were doing it'll give you great focus prayer and fasting has a way of getting our focus cleared up and they began to get their focus cleared up and they began to get their eyes on Jesus and when they got their focus right and they got their attention right and they began to look at the right things and get some clarity about who God was and his capacity and ability God began to speak a plan Listen, if you stay in the cloud of confusion because you're, because you're looking at the wrong things, you'll never get God's plan. You'll always be saying this. Was that God? I'm not sure that's God. Is that God? I don't know if that's God. Let me tell you something. I woke up yesterday, Sunday morning a, a week ago with that dream in my head. I, and the, if you weren't here last week, here it was. I saw myself preaching in some generic place somewhere and I would say a little line and then I would say this, Jesus is in charge. And then I'd preach another minute and I'd say, Jesus is in charge. And I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, I mean, I just woke right up and I could hear Jesus is in charge. And I thought, there's no doubt God's speaking to me. For me and for us. And I began to realize in the middle of a defining moment, you need to understand one thing, who's in charge. Jehoshaphat realized that. He knew that. He said, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. We got question marks. Hey, you got any question marks about your, your defining moment? Hey, if you're in the middle of a defining moment and you don't have any question marks, it's not a defining moment. You're at a place where you're backed up against the wall. Things are not going well for you or whatever it is. You got a question mark uh, that, that are just over. You have no clue. How am I ever going to get through that? That might be a defining moment. You need to know Jesus is in charge and get your eyes upon him. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And it released. Everybody say, get focused. Number two, get fixed. Everybody say, get fixed. Let me explain that. Uh, it says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 3 through 5, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. Man, he got fixed. He got focused. In fact, David said this in Psalm 57, 7. He said, My heart is fixed, O God. Now, in that passage, and in, in really, the, the as you see in this passage, when David said, My heart is fixed, O God, it, it means this standing erect, in direct opposition and uh, to my enemies and direct submission to my authorities. My heart is fixed. It's not up and down, left and right, here and there, maybe so, maybe not. Jehoshaphat got fixed. 
And in fact, it says he stood. It says when he set his heart to seek the Lord, he stood before the people. He stood. In fact, the part of the plan of God that God came and gave them, it says stand still. Go out and take your stand and position yourself. Get yourself fixed. Get straightened up. Let let me tell you something. In the middle of a pressure point, a lot of us many times, what we do is we, is we, is we cower down. We, we back away. We, we dis, we, we disbelieve. And, and what we've got to do is get our eyes focused and then get stand up and get yourself fixed and straight up where you can see what's going on in the world. Get your head out of a hole and get it up and get it around and start listening and learning because God is about to do something you got to get yourself fixed and if you need me to give you an attitude adjustment I am right now you know, come on now get focused get fixed basically what we see in this to- and I want you to read it in detail later what God is saying don't you let your enemies get the one up on you you get up you go out and you face your enemy You take your stand. I said, take your stand. I love one of David's mighty men. What was his name? He took his stand in the middle of a bean patch. What was his name? Who? Anybody remember? Eleazar, son of Dodo. Or depends on how you spell it or pronounce it. I don't know. Eleazar, son of Dodo. Man, when your name's Dodo, you got to be pretty tough. And he took his stand in the middle of a bean patch, and God brought about a great victory because he got focused and fixed. Listen, I'm telling you today, you'll never find victory, you'll never find direction, you'll never get a plan. And if if you're if you're cowering down, but if you'll get up in the, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and take your stand, that's what Jehoshaphat did. He feared, but he said, "My fear's not going to define me. I'm going to take my stand in front of these people that I'm leading, and I'm going to pray a great prayer of faith, and I'm going to get myself established and fixed in the will of God and the." ways of God for my life. I'm not going to be weak knee, jelly spine, and milk toast. I'm going to be a leader here today. I'm going to be a man of God here today. I'm not going to let these people get under my skin. In fact, I'm going to get a hold of God. I don't know what to do, but I know He knows what to do. Here we go! Ah. Let me just say, guys, Your wives will faint dead out if they see that in you, but they will be a happy camper. Amen? Women? Men? We got to get, everybody say, get focused. This, hey, if you want to get a plan for progress in the middle of your pressure point, if you want, how many of you would like to get through the pressure point? Okay. Now, if you want to stay there, you can go on home. Get focused, get fixed. And number three, I've mentioned it already, get faith. Verse 6 through 12, he prays a power-packed prayer of faith. Now, he, I just don't have time, but you just need to understand, he, he activated the faith of God in his life, and he prayed a great prayer of faith. He began to fill the spiritual atmosphere with faith. And if you go over to where I was just a few moments ago, uh, and, and he, it shows that he began to lead the, the people, strategically lead them to worship the Lord. Verse 18, he bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of 
multitude and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Verse 19, they lifted their voices loud and high. They began to worship the Lord and they went out before their enemies. And it says, and when he had consulted the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army of the, uh, before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I'm telling you, when you're in the middle of a pressure point, you need his mercy and grace to help you in time of need. And the praisers went out before the army. They said, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They said, and they said, praise the Lord for his, they said, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Men, they were tapping in. They were, they were activating their faith. My Bible tells me that this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. And when we get up, get focused, get fixed, and get our faith moving in the right direction, God will give you a plan. You're not going to get a plan in the middle of fear and doubt. Whatever plan you get in the middle of fear and doubt will have you doomed. Ask the officer over in 2 Kings 7. They activated their faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You see, Jehoshaphat led them in a power-packed prayer of faith, and he led them in a power-packed praise service. And it released the spiritual anointing of God to do a miracle in their midst. Everybody say, get focused. Get fixed and get faith. And they got a plan. And you want a plan? That's what you got to do. And you can't, hey, you can't back away from it. Well, I got to go to work. I understand that. You better get focused at work. You better get fixed at work. You better get faith at work. Well, I got kids to take care of. Well, the, for goodness sake, they need you to get focused, fixed, and have faith. Are you with me? Get our priorities straight. And here quickly, here's the plan. Let me give it to you. Let me just, here, here's some things the Spirit of the Lord said uh, and the plan of God that came to them. It says this, let me go back to verse 15, the Spirit of the Lord. It says, and he said, listen all you and all, all in all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Here's the first thing. Here's some action plan. God's action plan. You better listen up now. Tell your neighbor, you better listen up now. Hey, some of you right now, you better listen up right now. Some of you will walk out here now. What did he say? You go back and you face your pressure point. Uh, what, did he, uh, what was that he said? He said something about, it was kind of cute. Get something. I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, hey, you better listen up. He said, you better listen to what I'm about to say. And let me tell you something. If you get focused, get fixed, and get faith, God will begin to speak. But you better listen up. He said, listen up. And then verse 15 and 17, he said, fear not. Listen, you cannot, when God starts speaking, you just got to take their stand against fear. In fact, after God spoke, he went in verse 17, it says again, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who's with you. Do not fear, be dismayed. Everybody say, do not fear or be dismayed. You see, fear is a choice. And what he's saying here, don't choose to, don't, don't default. Let me, let me put my glasses on so I can see you right in the, real good here. Most of you have a default to fear. And then fear comes in and just rips you apart. And then you start blaming everybody, but you 
Because you, you defaulted to fear in the middle of your pressure point. That's why we just keep going around and around things and we never get beyond things. We never get progress because we never get a plan. The reason we can't get a plan is because we're not listening to God. We're not getting fixed. We're not getting faith and we're not getting all that we need to get from God, getting focused on God. And we let our fears run, run us round and round in circles and we get mad at God, mad at people. And boy, you're just really cute by that time. <sighs> Everybody say, listen up. This is the plan they got. Listen up. Everybody say, listen up. Fear not. And then I said it this way, go against. It says in two places, you go out against them. You go take your stand against them. Uh, go out against them. You do, don't let your enemies threaten you. You get out in their face. You get right on up out there. Hey, hey, listen, I know it seems overwhelming, but don't, don't just sit there until you die. Get up, go out against them. Get up and go for, to, run towards the roar. Quit running from your enemy. Stand up and say, I'm, hey, it ain't happening in this house anymore. I'm taking my stand. I love little David. Oh, I probably didn't shake his hip like that. But I don't know how you do a swing. But he ran towards his giant. And, and I don't know what he said. This is what I think he said. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. He ran towards his... He, he, he went out against... Didn't let fear. This is the plan. This is what God gave them. I bet it'll work for us. Listen up. Fear not. Go against. And then he says in verse 17, position yourselves. Get, 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 get your position right. Listen, most people spend their whole life. Listen. You listen to me. This, this speaks to priorities. This speaks to importance. Most people spend most of their time out of position. They're dysfunctional and out of position. They're not, they're not properly positioned in prayer. They're not, they're, they're not properly positioned in their families and in their church. They're out trying to do it their way and expect God to bless them. But I'm telling you, he said, position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You get yourself in right, you get yourself straightened out. You Get yourself in right position. Get get back get back here and get in position for goodness sake. Let me just throw this out to you for funsies. I'm 60. I can be cranky if I want. Let me throw this out to you and all the activity of life. You need to ask yourself, is this really what I need to be doing right now? Is this really where I need to be right now? In the middle of a defining moment, do I need to be watching Oprah on TV or something stupid like that? Come on now. It's a defining moment. You position yourself. Here's another one. I didn't mean to get all worked up like that. I apologize. For our guests, just... For our, for our first time guests here, my wife's not here. She usually keeps me at bay a little bit. I'll be better next week. Here's another part of the plan. Now, this one is interesting because we're talking about getting up and doing something. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, let me say it this way. When God starts work, when you get, when you get focused, you get fixed, and you get faith, and God starts speaking, 
Don't mess it up by reacting in the middle of what he's doing. God was saying to them, I'm about to do something. Don't mess it up. Don't start reacting in mid-swing here. Don't change, don't try to change something that I'm trying to do right now. Stand still. Stay focused. See. The salvation of God. And here's one more and we'll be done. Obey explicitly. They obeyed the directive. In fact, it said tomorrow go out against them. You know what they did the next day? They got up early. They said, the, the word of the Lord from the prophet said, tomorrow, get up and go out against them. Do it tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know what they did? They got up early. They, I'm telling you, most of us, uh, well, I'm not an early, I'm not a morning person. Jesus rose a great while before day and prayed, but I'm just not a morning person. And so I'll, I don't know about that praying and getting up early and obeying God. I, I think better late at night after I've clouded my vision with about a thousand hundred images off the internet and all. And I told you I'm 60, I'm cranky. They got up early in the morning. Listen. They got an early start on obeying God. We're not going to sit around here till we die. He said, get up and go. We're packing up and we're going, we're going to get an early start about this thing. We're not going to sit around and, and, you know, and drink coffee and, 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 and chew the fat while we need to be up doing something that God told us to do. Most of the things that, that God wants to do through us, he's just waiting for us to obey the first thing he said. They obeyed explicitly. They did exactly what God wanted them to do. And their defining moment became a milestone and not a tombstone. Because they responded rightly to the pressure points of life. They got a plan from heaven. They got some progress, some things to do to get them to move forward in the midst of their pressure point. I was thinking about this and we'll close. Most pressure points are, are, are probably divinely inspired. You know the first century church? Now catch this. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, was meeting with the disciples in Acts chapter 1. For 40 days, the resurrected Christ spent time with them. What a seminar. 40 days of hanging out with the resurrected Christ. He was empowering them and, and equipping them to complete the task of winning this world to Christ. And he's, you can read it, he's, he's trans figured and he and he ascends out of their sight and they're all standing there like spiritual gomer piles shazam let me just uh, let me stop a lot of christians never get out of that moment some kind of experience we want me i want me an experience Ooh. And that was an experience. It took angels to show up too, matter of fact. 
And they showed up and said, this same Jesus who you saw leaving is coming back. In other words, come on, it's time to begin to obey. He, he's coming back. Now get up and do what he said to do. Oh, go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. Okay, it took angels to get them to get moving. And then when pressure came, it took the Holy Ghost shaking them at the place to get them it was a pressure point that was godly, God-inspired that put them to a, on a course of progress. Let's stand up together. I don't know where you are today. It's 12.06. I, I got a little carried away. Father, today, I just pray over the word of the Lord. I pray, Lord, for people who are here who are possibly sitting idly in the middle of their trouble. They don't know what to do. I pray you'd help them get focused. I, help, I pray you'd help them get fixed in a standing upright position. And if they've been knocked down by life, I pray they'd get up and take their stand and get faith and then get a plan. Lord, I pray that over this church family. I pray that over myself and over our leaders and over our members that we'd, we'd be people of faith. We'd get our heart fixed. We'd get faith. We'd get fixed. And Lord, we'd get focused on you. And we know that you have a plan for our life. Holy Spirit began to speak. And Lord, I think you have been. I think you spoke to us a few weeks back about the call of God on our lives to gather, to grow, to give, and to go. I pray we would take what you've said to us to gather together and grow together and give together and go together. We'll begin to reap much benefit as we listen up to what you have to say. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you're not right with God. This is your moment of opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you to the front. But you know you need to get right with God. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Today's your moment. This is your moment of opportunity where you lay it all down and let Him be Lord. In fact, the, our memory verse this morning in sundry circles was, Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say to me, Pastor, I know I'm not right with God and I want to get my life right with God, lift your hand wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up everywhere. Let's all pray this prayer together for these that lifted their hand. This is how it works. Let's all pray out loud together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I believe your word is true. I ask you to forgive me for whatever I've done that offends you and hurts you. I want to be right with you. I want to know that I'm right with you. Forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Be Lord of all. Every area of my life. I come home to you. And I thank you for taking me back. 
I love you, Jesus, with all my heart. Everybody said amen.